And it starts on last week's passages. So we clumped together last week's passage, I hope you can read that, combined with this week's, and it creates a chiasm. A chiasm is parallel elements of a passage that occur in reverse order. If you've ever been hiking up close to a mountain and you see a mountain lake, and you get to a certain place and you see the mountain here, and then you see the reflection of the mountain in the lake, it creates like two mountains, right? One going up, one pointing down. That's basically what a chiasm is here. It's the same thing, but in reverse order, and it's used for emphasis, okay? So let me show you what it is. So last week, Jesus is there proclaiming, I am here to preach the good news to the poor in verses 14 through 22. But then the town rejects him, and they try to kill him, and he leaves to other towns, okay? The next scene is an evil spirit declaring he is the holy one, but they was They were hushed and rebuked and then removed. Then there's a healing. They were asked to heal Simon Peter's, Simon's mother-in-law. So he bent over her and healed her. Then there's another healing right after that, a group of healings. People brought the sick to Jesus, and he lays his hands on them. Then the evil spirits. Again, you are the son of God, the Christ. And they're hushed and rebuked and removed. Only this time, he's accepted, and they try to keep him. They don't try to kill him. They try to keep him. But he leaves to other towns. So the pattern is similar and the same. And he ends it by saying, I am here. I was sent to preach the good news of the kingdom of God. Do you see the chiasm I'm talking about? So now the question is, why? Why does Luke use this? What is he trying to say by clumping these stories together in this way? How are we supposed to understand this? This is not meant to be uh, looked at as on an individual basis, but as a grouping. He groups them all together to create an overall idea, okay? So if you find these in the Scripture, typically you see them in the Psalms. If we were to letter these lines, it would be A, B, C, C, B, A, right? Typically, you see that in the Psalms, but sometimes you find them in narrative too, and so here we have it. So what is it for? He's trying to emphasize a point, and the point could be as easy as the good news of the kingdom of God brings deliverance and healing. It could be as simple as that, and we would spend time reflecting on that idea, and we will this morning, reflecting on the good news of the kingdom of God bringing deliverance and healing into our lives, into our midst. But this is what I wrote. The good news of the gospel of Jesus, though met with great opposition, is spread from town to town. It brings deliverance and healing to those in need. The invitation, then, is to accept Christ as the Son of God and to join him in his kingdom. Does that seem accurate to you? you, Are you you resonating with that? So what does that mean for us, then, today, in light of this, in light of this discovery, in light of this being what Luke is saying, this statement. What does it mean for us today, right now? And as I was reflecting on that this week, I felt led to share from my heart uh, what God has taught me concerning two things. First is the growth and spread of God's kingdom, right? This won't be extensive, by the way. It's just one little thought about it. And then the deliverance and healing that Jesus brings into our life and how we can cooperate with that, right? In other words, 
I want to talk about church. So let's begin with the kingdom. We can see from this story that Jesus was sent to spread the good news all around, from town to town, word of mouth. He didn't want to stay in one place and, and have the crowds come to him. No, he went to them. He went from town to town. Later, he will breathe the spirit into his disciples so that they could then spread the good news all over the earth, right? But Jesus was mainly focusing on the nation of Israel at the time and then would later scatter his disciples all over the world. And what I want us to realize is that in light of what Jesus was doing, wanting to spread his good news all over, that mission that he was on, we can start to get excited for our church growth in the midst of that, right? Oh, we want our church to grow. We want this kingdom to spread. We want this to, to, to turn into multitudes, right? And we can kind of start to get caught up in numbers. And I don't think Jesus was concerned with numbers as much as we are. In the Bible, the kingdom of God is more closely related to a garden or a farm than a factory, right? In a factory, the goal is more, produce more, and do it fast, to do it quickly and efficiently, right? To be productive, to get more, and more meaning more numbers, more product. But with the farm, health is the main focus. Health comes first, healthy conditions, healthy soil, healthy plant life, right? And then in having this healthy environment, growth happens. Fruit naturally grows in that environment, amen? So Jesus uses things like the mustard seed to describe faith. The seed's planted in the soil, and later it produces this big tree, this big, enormous tree that provides shade for many things. It has multiple purposes. He talks about the parable of the sower and the soil, about the condition of our heart. He talks about the wheat and the tares, how similar they are, and yet so different. He says he is the vine, we all are the branches, that we need to abide in him. And his father is the gardener who prunes so that we may produce more fruit right? So Jesus compared his kingdom to nature and plants more than buildings and things, which is kind of a surprise to me because he grew up doing carpentry with Joseph, the carpenter, right? But our job is to stay intimately connected to Christ together, to cooperate with him, and to foster an environment where healthy growth and reproduction can occur. For us to be fruitful and multiply, we need to stay close to Jesus. First things first. For church, is more better or is healthy better? That's something that we need to really reflect on. In a factory setting, more is first. In a garden or a farm, health is first, then more comes later. Okay? So if health is the goal for church... We cannot focus on performance and behaviors like the Pharisee did, right? If we can all just get people to behave, then God will bless us. 
because we'll be behaving well, right? But that's not how it works. Jesus focuses on heart and health more than on behaviors. He focuses on heart and healing. And healing is central to what Jesus does. With that in mind, we need to view people, one another and others, as people who are wounded in need of healing. As people who are bound in need of deliverance. We need a deliverer. We need a healer. We need Jesus, right? We need to learn to walk with him. With that in mind, I thought of, I compared the church to like a hospital rather than an auto repair shop, right? In a hospital, they don't want to, I mean, they want to get you out of there as soon as possible, but they want to get you out of the hospital as soon as you're ready, right? They don't want to just give you medicine and say good luck and send you on your way. If they did, that wouldn't be a very good hospital. In an auto repair shop, they want to just find out what's broken, fix you, and go. The faster, the better. But in a hospital, there's a lot more uh, things at play. You don't just send somebody out the door before making sure they're all right. And so it's the same idea when we think of church. We don't want to just be quick. We don't want to just be efficient. We want to be efficient, but not in the way that it's getting people out of here really fast because we have a tendency to just want to fix people, and, and, and that's it. But Jesus wants to heal people, and healing takes time. Growing a garden takes time. There's a lot of factors at play. It's complicated. Healing is a process. And we see some of this process in our story today. We see Jesus um, there and people bringing their sick to him. And, and people ask Jesus, would you look at this person who is sick? Would you, would you pay attention to this one? And, and he hears them and he draws closer to them with with Simon's mother-in-law, he bends over her. He's close and intimate, right? And he heals her. And, and with the sick, he lays his hands on them. He's intimate and close with those who are sick and in need, right? We need his healing touch, right? We need his healing touch as much today as the, as the day when we first met him. The healing is a process. His desire is for us to continue to heal, to continue to grow into more deep, mature health and maturity. And for the deep spiritual healing that promotes health, we need to follow the process. And the process begins by facing the pain. We need to face the pain. Let me read you a story of a person who encounters a horrific pain and how he learned to deal with it. His story is remarkable, and I believe we can learn from his experience. Gerald and his family were traveling home from a mission trip in the spring of 1996 when their car was hit head-on by a drunk driver. The crash changed Gerald's life. He lost his wife, his mother, and his daughter. He was severely injured and still had the responsibility for his three other children. And after he came home from the hospital, he did not do well. Even though he knew there was life before the trauma and there would be life after the trauma. These were his words. 
He says, if normal, natural, reversible loss is like a broken limb, then catastrophic loss is like an amputation. The results are permanent. The impact, incalculable. The consequences, cumulative. Each new day forces one to face some devastating dimension of the loss. It creates a whole new context for one's life. Now, Gerald began to have a recurring nightmare. In this nightmare, he would be on an endless beach with the sun low in the early evening sky. Darkness seemed to be gathering in the eastern sky, and he feared being swallowed up in the darkness. Gerald began to run as hard as he could toward the setting sun, hoping that he would be able to stay in the daylight. His nightmare ended in stark terror, just as the sun set below the horizon, and he was immersed in the darkness. Gerald would be exhausted and drenched in perspiration after these nightmares because he had actually threshed in bed as he ran toward the setting sun. He had this horrible dream night after night for several weeks. This nightmare was consuming him in almost every way, whether he was awake or asleep. And after several weeks, Gerald made a great choice. He called his sister and he told her the dream. She responded with an incredible and insightful comment. She told her brother that nobody could catch the setting sun. She told him to turn, face the darkness, even run into the darkness. For in doing so, he would catch the rising sun. Gerald would not have broken the stranglehold of this nightmare if, it hadn't, if he hadn't shared it with his sister. Her prophetic words apply to all of us. We must turn and face whatever we fear the most and run into the darkness. Now, what does that mean for us? If health is the goal for our church, then we need to be willing to walk out our pain together, right? Wherever we're at as a church, when I say pain, uh, I know a lot of you associate that with a lot of different things that have happened in your life. Maybe as a group, maybe as an individual, but Jesus is in the ministry of healing that. And he wants to, but that's hard. It sounds scary, but it's what he wants to do in our lives. To bring deep healing into our midst, so that we may then bear good fruit and invite others into that life. And for this to be a place of healing, we need to be able to face their pain, to be open with it, to be honest and transparent with each other, to be loving and accepting and forgiving of one another, to stay committed to the Spirit's work in our lives, right? to trust God in the process, to trust others. So how has Jesus brought healing into your life? I started the talk today trying to get you to think about what difference has Jesus made in your life. And, and I think we see that he has brought healing into our lives, hasn't he? And he wants to continue 
to bring healing into our lives. This is my story. I grew up in church thinking I had to be good. I focused on my behavior. I noticed my heart was dark, though, but I couldn't talk about it with anybody because I thought if people knew the real me, they wouldn't accept me. I would be unacceptable. And whenever I was not good or I didn't behave, I felt anger, frustration, disappointment, and at times I felt ashamed. I put a lot of pressure on myself to live up to these standards, right? And I fell short all the time. Finally, I turned 18. I gave up trying to behave. I let myself do whatever. I let myself go. And at the time, it felt good. I felt relief for the first time in my life. I gave myself permission to do whatever I felt like doing. And I felt free from religion. But I also felt far from God. And after a while, I realized I had made a mistake after a few years of this. But it was too late. By then, I was already in bondage to the things I had said yes to. But... For some reason, by God's grace, I didn't go back to my old way of trying to behave again. I knew that wouldn't work. So I figured I needed to start over, start from scratch. I used to lie a lot, lie about who I really was. And finally, I decided I'm just going to be honest, no matter what the cost. And God started working in my life that way starting to open up to people, not hiding anything. I lied my way into my trouble, and I'm going to truth my way out of it. Instead of going back to the old way of religion, I started over. I knew God was right, and I knew Jesus was real. I figured I missed something before that I needed to understand now. And what I was missing was God's grace. My life with God was not focused on me and my performance anymore. It was about God and his generous grace. And that really rescued me. That really took the pressure off of my life. I could still be who I really was. I could still make the same mistakes or or mistakes at all, and it would be okay. I didn't have that pressure on myself because I knew that God was good with me right where I was at. I didn't have to clean up before I got close to God. I could come to him sick and hurting and and in bondage, and he would rescue me. And he loves me as much in that moment as he loves me today. I'm not as bad as I was before. I'm not as entrenched in darkness as I was before. But I still need his grace as much today as I did then. My my life was now focused on God's grace, God's goodness, God's glory, God's greatness, because he delivered me from the lies and the fears that I once believed about myself and about others. And learning that, my wounds began to heal because I learned those thoughts from somewhere. I adapted to them. I, I took them on as my own, that I had to live a certain way in order to make God happy. I decided to, to believe the truth from then on. And the truth was, he doesn't just love me, he likes me. And that was huge for me. 
Because I, I knew God loved me. Jesus loved me. This I know for the Bible says so, right? But I didn't think he really liked me. But he does. And he doesn't just accept me because he has to, because we're related, right? He doesn't just accept me. He actually delights in me. Even in all the mistakes that I've made, he still delights in me. And that's the good news that Jesus is trying to bring into his world. And that's the good news that God is still trying to bring into our midst. And we need to understand that news first before we carry that out there. We need to learn to live by that news now before others will come in and join us. Because we want to win them to that gospel. We want that to be our fruit. Not the fruit of religion, but the fruit of God's grace and love. Amen? That knowledge has brought and continues to bring healing in me is what we want others to know. God's heart is for them. God's heart is for the world. The kingdom of God brings deliverance and healing. Let's apply that to our lives this week. All right? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your healing Thank you for making a difference in our life. Thank you that without you, our life would be terrible. But we have you, Lord, and so life is good. And whatever you're doing in our life, whatever healing you're bringing into our midst, help us to to cooperate with you. Help us to let you heal us. If you want to use the community of people around us to bring healing, let it be so, Lord. Help us to follow you in that. If we're believing lies about our identity or our purpose, Lord, help us to come to the truth and help the truth to set us free. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here in our midst, for teaching us and for showing us who you really are. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's go be the church. Are you ready? Set, break.